Connect Church, would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to start service? Um, if you've been here for any amount of time and have ever seen me when I lead worship, you're probably used to uh, a lot of energy and movement and belting and all that kind of stuff. Um, and my natural inclination would have been to start off the same way that I do most. We're still at ground zero. So we're going to start at ground zero today. Because I think there are probably some things that need some breaking. Some of us are going to need breakthroughs. Things that we have been fighting for and against. That we can't win and overcome on our own. And I believe there's things that need to break in us too. And a lot of times those things happen simultaneously. There's a lot of breaking in us as there is breakthrough for the things that we have been hoping for. So whatever it is that needs that breaking, before we get to the praise and can even say that we believe for those things that we're hoping for, invite the Holy Spirit into this room, into your heart, into your life today to do the work that he needs to do so that we can do the work we need to do in the world around us. God, we pray. We pray that your Holy Spirit's presence would be thick in this place today, God. We thank you that you already dwell and abide in your house, God that you have made a space for yourself to speak, to tend, to steward the people of this place, God, but also to break, to prune, to tear, and to mend a life, God. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to do your work today in us, around us, through us, whatever you may choose and desire to do. Spirit, come and have your way in this place because it is in your way, God that there is peace, there is joy, there is life, and there is hope, when there is none left in the rest of the world. And it is in your holy name that we pray. Amen.
something has to break. Something has to break. Something has to break. Right now in your name. Something has to break. Something has to break. Something has to break. Right now in your name. Something has to break In the mighty name of Jesus the saves the only one is love Something has to break Something has to I believe you'll lead me through it. I believe you'll get me to it. I believe that you will do it right now. Something has to break. I believe you'll lead me through it. I believe you'll get me to it. I believe that you will do it right now. Something has to break. I believe you'll lead me through it. I believe you'll get me to it. I believe that you will do it right now. Something has to break. I believe you'll lead me through it. I believe you'll get me to it. I believe that you will do it.
say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. But they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. We've heard that there is no way through. We've heard the tide will never change. They haven't seen what you can do. Cause there is power in your name. So much power in your name. Move the immovable. Break the unbreakable. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. From the impossible, we'll see a miracle. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. Yes, we do. We know that hope is never
Father, what we are saying this morning is we're not just believing for something. We're believing in you. We are casting ourselves on you, on your goodness, on your grace, on your love, on your mercy, on your sovereignty, on your understanding, on your ways being above our ways, your timing not being our timing. We trust you. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we're crying out this morning because there's things in the natural we can't break. There are things from our past we can't be set free from on our own. There are some mentalities, some spirit of despair. There are some addictions we can't be set free from without you shattering them. But you're the shatterer of chains. You're the liberator 
of the oppressed. And you don't do it because we're good enough. You do it because you are good enough. So right now, right here, in the midst of it all, Jesus, no matter what we're going through, whether it be public or private, whether it be in the open or we're hiding it in the dark, whatever scheme that we've believed of the enemy, whatever lie has been distorting our minds and our hearts, whatever thing we've adopted into our life that is not of you, whatever weapon formed against us that we've allowed to prosper in our lives. We ask you, Jesus, to shatter it, to break it, and to set us free. You said on the cross, it is finished. We stand in that today. The wholeness of the faithfulness of our God. We love you, we praise you, and we trust you. Come on, church, we love you, we praise you, and we trust you. Come on, we love you, we praise you, and we trust you. Sometimes you got to, come on, sometimes you got to tell your soul to bless God. So, come on, I'm going to bless him today. I'm going to tell him I love him. I'm going to tell him I'm going to bless him. I'm going to tell him that I trust him. I don't care what darkness says. I stand in the light of Jesus. Daddy, even if you don't change our situation, you will change us in our situation. And we give you thanks for that. We give you glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. And we give you full rights to do whatever you want to do in us today through the Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name. And then together we say amen and amen. Come on, can we give God some joy, just some shout of joy, some praise this morning for the goodness of our God in the land of the living. Hallelujah. Church, right before, right before, when in pre-service, there was an old school song on that was going on, and I don't know if some of you heard it, it was Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. The center of my heart, the center of my life, Jesus be the center of it all. And can I just encourage you this morning, that so spoke to me today. Because I know theologically, can we agree theologically, we know that's right. Jesus should be the center of it all, but Jake said it earlier, there's so many things that can distract us from that. So many feelings that tell us that things aren't true. So many emotions and waves of emotions that have a riptide that pull us away from God. Sometimes it's just good to come back and from the bottom of our hearts say, Jesus, be the center of it all. Jesus, here I am. Just be the center of it all. I don't understand it all. And I, don't, I can't fathom it all. And God, I, I, if it was my way, it would be a different way. But God, I trust in the love that you have for me. And so, Jesus, I'm going to put you right in the center of it all. Jesus, that's my prayer for every person in this room today. It's my prayer for every person online today. Jesus, that's my prayer for myself, for my son, for my wife, for my family. As for me and my house. We're asking, Lord God, that you be in the center of it all. Not just in the house, God, the center of it all. Not just blessing the house, but the center of it all, Lord God. The focus. When I rise up in the morning, may you be the focus, Lord God. May we, but when we put our heads on the pillow, may you still be the focus. 
May you be the focus of this house. Be the center of this place. Jesus, come and have your way. We give you full rights, full permission to have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just want to take a moment to thank you for being here today. I'm not sure what your week was like, whether it was a mountaintop or a valley. Maybe you were just in the middle of the road. Maybe you were up and down. There's so many things in this world and this week that can distract and play on us and beat us up. I've, I told Jake this morning, we drove in together, I just said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of tired that you can't sleep away. Has anyone ever felt that way when you, like, you're the kind of tired that you just can't sleep away? But see, that's why I'm here today. Because the Bible tells me, Jesus says, come to me when you are weary. Come to me when you're heavy laden. Come to me when, you, when you're so beat up, man, you can't restore yourself. Come to me and I'll, I'll lift you up. And I, I can't just stand here and preach it, come on somebody, if I'm not going to apply it in my own life. We can't be just quoting scripture online and then when it comes down to the time we got to apply that bad boy. When it's times when we're so tired and so down and so hurting and so lonely and so grieving and so sad that we can't think straight, look straight, or get our head up off the pillow when we just want to crawl back underneath. Come on. Anybody want to crawl back underneath the the blanket sometimes and just say, forget today. But I've got a God that loves us today. And the Bible says if I come to him, if I come to him, If I come to him when I'm weary and I'm heavy laden, he'll give me rest that me sleeping in can't solve. What a God we serve. So thank you for getting up this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for no matter what your week looked like, for putting gas in your car and getting to church this morning. Thank you for being a part of the the worship, the the voice. John and Pastor John and I were talking this week. Church has a voice. You have a voice. And you lifted that voice up to God today. How many of you are glad that the Bible says, make a joyful noise? I'm so glad it doesn't say, like, hit all the right notes. I'm good. Hit joyful noise, I'm in. My God's good. Look, if this is your first or second time to connect, thank you for being here. Thank you for being our guest. We really are glad you're here. Hey, let us know you're here. Stop and say hi to one of the pastors. Let us know. We, we pray that you make this your home. Because we are all about learning how to live life in community together here. In community together. Well, on that note, as you're being seated, as the kids are headed out towards uh, Pastor Kevin and Lisa over here for Kids Side, can we give the kids a hand as they're going? Kids team, you guys are rock stars. We love you so much. Hey, say hi to somebody next year as you're being seated. Give them a high five or an air high five or a fist pump, whatever you feel comfortable with. Take a moment. Take a moment. I'm going to take a moment and get a drink. Woo! Jesus, you're the center of it all. From beginning to the end, you have always been, it'll always be you, Jesus. May that be the heart cry of each of us this week.
Hey, before we hop into the Word today, I wanted to encourage us because we have um, some very uh, amazing things happening in the life of church. Uh, we've had amazing things this week happening in the life of church tonight. Uh, tonight is our um, Christmas toy tour, which I'm so excited about. This is one of my favorite things we do all year long, and uh, we, are, we are able to serve uh, over 120 families tonight, which is uh, almost 500 children, I think, tonight, which is, that means there's going to be kiddos in our area that are going to have toys and all sorts of goodies. And why we do what we do, I'm making sure that this room is um, Santa-friendly at the moment. Okay. Um, uh, why we do what we do is we actually, we, we, used to give, we used to give toys, and it was fun. We'd fill this place up with toys. We'd have wrapping stations and all that stuff. But... We give away gift cards to the parents now, and the reason that we do that is actually so that the parents can go out and feel a part of this, that they get to buy the gifts they want for their own children, that, that it's not, well, church gave us these gifts for you, that, that, that God blessed me in such a way I was able to bless you, and it's just putting dignity back in the hands of people. Um, and, and there'll be people from our church, there'll be people from out of our church that'll be here tonight. And it's my favorite, it's one of my favorite things we do all year. We've got food boxes, uh, f- uh, um, uh, Christmas morning food boxes that are be, g- be given out tonight. Gift cards, there's uh, swag bags for the parents. There's all sorts of fun stuff that's going to be happening uh, tonight. So we need you to, to do two things, two things if you will, two things if you will. One, pray, because the stink is supposed to rain. And how many of you know it's not fun standing outside greeting people in the rain, right? So we need the rain, rain, go away. Come back another day. Thank you. You passed kindergarten. That's fantastic. It's great. Um, But also, look, there's lots of ways that you can be involved. You can still give. You can still pray. You can still serve tonight. Come and be a part of it. You can always uh, just be standing in the gap. Um and loving on people as they show up. So uh, it's going to be a, a phenomenal night. We have to be here earlier than 5.30 because the doors open at 5.30, and it'll be uh, uh, fantastically busy for the next few hours. Um, also, on that note, we have uh, two Friday night lights uh, nights coming up, which I love. Um, why, do we call, why did I say Friday night lights? Because there's two services that are happening on Fridays instead of Sundays coming up. Um, Christmas, our Christmas service is Christmas Eve Eve, which is Friday night, the 23rd, coming up uh, at 7 o'clock. And then the next Friday night, we're going to do New Year's Eve Eve, uh, which will be on that Friday night as well at 7. So it's just going to be fun to be able to do church a little bit differently on a Friday night. You can gather your families. That way, look, on Christmas Day, look, you're not going to be here anyway, right? I'm going to be standing up here. It's going to be me and Jake, right? It's Jake. Harlow, I'm going to bring my puppy, put her in the seat so there's someone here. Oh, look, the, the truth is that we have to learn how to be the church when we're not at church. So there's times that we're at church. We're going to do church on Friday night. And then I pray, if you're a parent, if you're a friend, if you're a family member, you are the church on Christmas to your families. That means Jesus is the center of that day. Not the trees. Not the presence. Jesus. Amen? It's all good. All right, so tonight, 5.30. Next week is regular church service. And then next week, don't be coming on Friday. Come next week. 
and then there's two Friday night lights. I played football, Friday night lights was the time actually to roll up. You roll, come on, there's some high school football players in here. You rolled up on Friday night. You showed up on Friday night under the lights. That's what we're going to do for those two services to show up. It's going to be fun. Are you ready for the word? Fantastic. Hey, since you brought your Bible, why don't you open with me uh, to, uh, to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. This is the third week of Advent, uh, which is about joy. Um, and so we're going to talk about joy a little bit today. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, written by Matthew, who is a disciple of Jesus, a tax collector, comes to know him uh, and changes his life. And so it doesn't matter where you come from. That's the best news about the gospel of Jesus, man. You don't have to be right before you come to Jesus. You come to Jesus, and Jesus takes everything and makes things right. It's amazing what he can do. Um, and so today, we just want to talk a little bit, as we're talking about how to, how to have joy in this world. Because we're standing in a, in a world today with a lot of compounded grief and cumulative weariness. You turn on the news and things are bad, not only here, but everywhere. You go to the grocery store and try to find something and there's three empty, you know, three shelves of empty stuff and it's crazy right now. Gas prices and there, there's just a lot right now that can steal or seemingly try to steal people's joy. And it might be because we have established joy from the wrong place. And, and I think that's the challenge in our world today. So we're going to talk about that today just a little bit. Lesser kings and lesser things. So if you need a title for today's message, it's lesser kings and lesser things. Um, you know, many of you may know this week we had the privilege of celebrating, um, hosting a celebration of life service for uh, our, our CFO of our church, um, our sister in Christ, uh, our dear friend, for many of us, uh, Sharon Smith, our share bear. And what was meant to be a one-hour service turned into well over a two-hour service for no other reason other than there was testimony after testimony after testimony. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. There was the line just kept getting longer. Testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of, of how Sharon's life had impacted people forever. And, and it reminded me in that moment of a couple of things. It reminded me both that uh, joy and pain can coexist at the same time. And that's something I think we have to be reminded of, that sometimes uh, it, I, I can be unhappy and still have joy even in, in the midst of my pain. But it also reminded me that there are, there are things, there are lesser things and greater things that are vying for our attention. There's a lot of things vying for our attention in the world around us today. Some lesser things and some greater things. There are things that seem important, and then there's other things, like the things Sharon lived for, that are eternal. And I think the challenge that we face in our world today, just as men and women in this culture, is that we have a belief in our world, and I'm going to say a deception in our world, that tells us that lesser kings and lesser things are just as good as the things God has. They're just as good. I mean, they may be different, but they're just as good. This, this belief system's just as good as that. I mean, this kind of way of living, is, I know it's not what God's, it's, it's just as good. It's similar, it's almost as good as. And here's, here's how I know that's wrong. Like, 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 
if someone wrote up and be like, look, I know this is, is a cubic zirconian, but it's just as good as a diamond. No, it's not. Come on, ladies, some fool. Come, come on, girl. Hey, I'm going to give you a diamond roll up with some little cheap zir. You're like, that is not a diamond. Right? Come on. It's just true. Somebody roll up a holiday party with a big pie that's sugar-free and, and fat-free and dairy-free and gluten-free. And they're like, it's just as good as. No, it's not. No, you took all the goodness out. No. no I, I don't need any emails. Let's get you there at the same time as first class. It's just as good as. No, it's not. This is how I know. Because there's not one person who had a first class ticket that would give it up for an economy class ticket. And there's not one of us who were sitting in an economy. If they would say, do you want a free upgrade to first class? You'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. They're not the same thing. Now, now, none of that matters. None of that matters when we're talking about coffee brands or plane tickets. But it does matter when we're talking about real life. And things that really happen in real life. It, it matters when we're talking about things uh, like healthy, how to have a healthy relationship. How, how to find peace in the midst of my chaotic world. How to be established in joy and not constantly chase after happiness. How to live as a disciple and not just be a believer of Jesus. It matters when we decide what we're going to give our life to and what we're going to live for. See, because the lesser things and the lesser kings definitely are not the same things. They're not. It's why the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 13, he says, this one thing I do, this one thing. He narrows it down for us. Pa people ask all the time, Pastor, what do you think I should do? I don't know. Paul says this one thing gets my attention. Well, what is it? Forgetting what lies behind. I strain forward to what lies ahead. Why? Because I've got a call of God on my life. Because there's a prize in knowing Jesus. Because I need to know him more and more and more and more. He's not saying the things behind us don't have value or that other things don't vie for our attention, but only that there are greater things out there to be pursued. Church, can I tell you today that the things that the world is calling us to pursue come from lesser kings, and they'll produce lesser things. There are greater things with eternal value. How do I know? Because the line just kept getting longer and longer and longer on Thursday because there was a woman who chose to live her life listening to a greater king, living for greater things. In the text today, we're going to see exactly this. We're going to hear the story of the wise men, right? We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We travel so far. Now, here's the truth. We don't know if there's three kings. The Bible tells us there's three. It doesn't really matter. There were magi. It was plural. So this is what is cool. What I love about the story is that these men already were living under kings. They already had plenty of things that we would want. But they still were willing to take a journey towards Jesus, to encounter Jesus in a real way. They did whatever it took. They, they, they had to cross deserts and mountains and rivers. They had to face down bandits and actually cross borders to find the greater king. And what I love is it didn't say they came with joy even though they had all those other things. It says when they met him, everything changed. When they met him, everything changed. That's my prayer for us today. My prayer is that we, no matter how we come 
to today's moment that by meeting him, there could be a change in us. Their situation didn't change. They didn't get promoted. They didn't become rock stars. They didn't become famous. No one knew them on TikTok because TikTok didn't exist. They didn't take a selfie with Jesus that blew up and went viral. Nothing changed for them, but everything changed in them. And my prayer for us is this, even if circumstances around us don't change, by actually knowing him and meeting him and knowing him, who we are in our situation can change. Because that's the place of joy. Let's look at the story together, can we? You're probably familiar with it. Matthew 2 verse 1 says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. We've come to worship him. When Herod, saw, uh, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, By you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I'm going to stop there just for a moment so that we can, there's, there's some stuff in there that will help understand the context. When, 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 when the question was asked, where was Jesus coming from, the scribes are quoting from, Isaiah, from Micah chapter 5. They're quoting from Micah chapter 5, who said, um, O Bethlehem Ephrata, out of you will come a ruler. And the reason why Micah has to say Bethlehem Ephrata, because at the time when he is writing, which is 700 years before Jesus comes, the moment he's prophesying, 700 years before, come on, you want to talk about the, the distance between God saying something and the promise fulfilled? God downloaded this 700 years before the answer showed up. But he said, I want to let you know, I'm not going to leave you guessing about what it's going to look like and where it's going to be. Because in Micah's time, there was two Bethlehems. He said, I want you to know, this is the Bethlehem in which the king is going to be born. Oh, and by the way, it's going to be in Judah. Because Judah is the place from which the line of kings come from. That's why Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. See, this is what I know, my friends. There may be two options out there for us, but only one of them is godly. There may be, you may be having options out there. There were two Bethlehems, but only one of them, Jesus was showing up in. They both have the same name. They both sound right, but one is of God and one is not. I love that the, the name Bethlehem means house of bread. This is actually where the bread for the priesthood would come from. The, the bread that was used in the holy place inside the temple at the table of showbread where the priest would eat. It's a picture of communion for you and I. It's no coincidence that the bread of life that would give us communion when we ate of him would be born in this place. It's also in the surrounding areas in the hills around Bethlehem. That's where they raised the sheep. That's where the little baby lambs were born that were taken to the temple in Jerusalem just a few miles away so that they could actually, what, be sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins. Again, no coincidence that the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world was born in this place. God was trying to tell us all along who he was, what he was going to do, how he was going to show up in our lives. It may take time, but he never fails. 
By the way, Jesus wasn't from here, was he? But it was God's purpose that got him there. There are times that God's going to move us from lesser things to greater things, even if it's not our intention to actually do it. Do you realize from the outside, right, Jesus is from Galilee. He's born in Bethlehem. How did he get there? From the outside, it looked like the enemy's work. It was the enemy, the oppressor, Rome, that made him go through it, made him travel to this place. It had to go through. He had to, it came through pain and discomfort. I don't know, men, we can't understand, but ladies, you know, you don't want to even stand up when you're nine months pregnant. Mary had to walk. Mary had to travel down roads uh, with sandals and ride on donkeys and actually travel when she's not. This thing, this movement that God was moving them for their greater purpose, it wasn't easy. It wasn't nice. It wasn't clean. It came through pain. It came through discomfort. But he moved them there because he had a greater purpose. Come on, sometimes, my friends, you and I have to go through pain and discomfort, not because the enemy is against us, but because God's for us. It doesn't make sense. Like, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I guarantee Mary wasn't like, woohoo, I'm skipping down the road, going to Bethlehem. Isn't this great? I'm just going to tweet all my friends. She was like, God, what the heck are you doing? How many of us have had those moments? God, what the heck are you doing? Don't you know how much pain I'm in? Don't you know how uh, uncomfortable I am? He's like, yep, because I'm taking you from a lesser purpose to a greater one. You just don't know it yet. The Bible continues. It says, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great Joy, underline that. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's the truth. The truth is the, the wise men found themselves in a position that we all find ourselves in. Living in a world filled with lesser kings and lesser things. A world that actually could demand their attention And consumed their every desire. Man, they were from the east. The east was exotic. It was the home of Babylon and Persia and India. It it was the place of riches and silks and exotic creatures and lavish lifestyles. Ancient knowledge and its place for learning. It had anything and everything you could ever want. Does that sound like a culture that anyone else is familiar with in this place? But then they came in contact with God. And they came in contact with what God was doing. And their lives changed. Notice, we said it already, but they didn't come with joy. Even in the midst of having all those things and living in all those things, it wasn't until they encountered the real king that joy became a real thing. My friends, it will not be through the acquisition of the things that you desire that will ever produce joy inside of us. It is only our true worship of the real king that will produce real joy, a real thing in our lives. And this is where we have to wrestle, I think, as disciples. 
moving past just believing in God and being good people. Because this is constantly a threat in our life. There are constantly lesser kings and lesser things vying for your attention at every turn. But the reality is when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, disciples don't take guidance from the lesser kings. And they don't get distracted by the lesser things. When they came to Jerusalem, logic, a lesser king, told them to go to the palace. It was their opinion, lesser king, that this is where Jesus should be born if he was a king. And when they met Herod, the lesser king, they recognized immediately, he, the, and they knew that he would never fulfill in them what they were hoping would be fulfill, fulfilled in them. The lesser king, the lesser king, the lesser king could only lead them to lesser things. Do you know what led them to the greater thing? The word. It was not Herod, it was the word. The word said he's in Bethlehem. Logic said Jerusalem. Opinion said the palace. The king said, I'm worried. Get the guard going. He, the word said, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Bethlehem. They heard the word and they responded to it. And when they responded to it, the result was exceedingly great joy. Exceedingly, they hadn't met him yet. Exceedingly great joy. They hadn't shown up yet. Exceedingly, they hadn't arrived yet. Exceedingly great joy. The truth is, my friends, sometimes it's as easy as that. As easy as simply responding to the word. I love what Psalm 119, 111 says. Psalm 119 was one of Sharon's favorite psalms. We read some of it on, on Thursday. But verse 111 says, your testimonies are my heritage forever. Your word, your promises, your, your, what you say, God, is my heritage. And they are the joy of my heart. When we begin to make the word of God the, 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 the blueprint for our life, the blueprint for our heritage and our legacy and what we want to start in life and what we want to leave behind when we're done. There's a joy that happens inside of us. It doesn't mean we won't face persecution or disagreement from others. Come on, Herod wanted to kill them. It, won't be, it doesn't mean it won't be difficult or require us to set different boundaries. They had to go back a different way than they came, right? Sometimes, my friends, after we hear the word, we come to the word one way, sometimes we got to change the way we walk after we hear the word. Because if we go back the same way that we went back before, there are assassins waiting in the bushes. There are assassins, by the way, posing as friends that'll take you out. But when we make the word our heritage, it will quickly fill our hearts with joy, even if the situation doesn't change. I think the question that we all have to wrestle with, or we all are wrestling with, is this. When it comes to walking this life out with Jesus, are we walking it, are we, are, 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 are we seeking a king, or are we seeking a crown? In today's world, I think believers kind of have just been taught and kind of have been persuaded to seek after Jesus so that they can get a crown. Well, what's my reward for doing this? How will I get blessed? Do this and you'll be blessed. Here are the 10 ways to receive your blessing. 
Here's the 15 ways to get rich. Here's the 28 ways to get your healing. It's just what we do in modern American Christianity. We teach people to try to seek after Jesus to get the crown. But disciples seek after Jesus because they're seeking the king. That's it. They want to meet the king. They want to be around the king. They want to worship the king. They want to love the king. They want to hear the king. They want to be around the king. That's it. We see this, by the way, in Matthew, just a few chapters later, Matthew 20. James and John, who were two disciples, but they really hadn't figured it out yet. <laughs> Do you remember the story? They come to Jesus. Matter of fact, they don't come to Jesus. They were arguing um, who should sit on Jesus' right and who should sit on Jesus' left. Uh, because they were such good disciples, and they were his cousins, that they should have primary role. They should be, they, they gave up their fishing business. I mean, they, they've been following Jesus. I mean, when Jesus comes into his throne, I should at least get something out of this. Who's sitting on the right? Who's sitting on the left? They were so distracted by those lesser arguments, those lesser things, that they sent their mommy. They sent their mommy to Jesus. They didn't even have the guts to do it themselves. They sent mommy to find out how Jesus was going to bless them. But it's what we do. Our mommies sometimes is our job or our relationship or our dreams. And we send those things to Jesus looking for the crown, the blessing. We're looking for Jesus to promise us something we can hang our hats on so that we can have something to look forward to so that in order to give us some joy. If I could just get a promise from God that I can hang my hat on, then I'll have something to look forward to when I go through the time. That gives me joy. But how about what you're hanging your hat on, the promise isn't till the other side of the veil? How about when it doesn't show up when you want it to show up? How about when time, his idea of time, and your idea of time are different? This is why it's so important we talk about what we're talking about today. Because joy can never be obtained by acquiring things. It doesn't matter where those things originated from. Whether they originated from heaven or from earth or beneath the earth. It doesn't matter. Joy can never be obtained. Joy can never, joy can never be obtained by acquiring things. Joy comes from worshiping the king. With things, without things, with your hands full, with your hands empty, with your heart overbursting with joy and your heart crushed and broken and mourning in a spirit, here's the reality. Joy comes from us worshiping the king. Come, let us worship the king. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. They worshiped him with exceedingly great joy. Joy is a fruit of his spirit. You can't buy it. Ask Simon the sorcerer. You can't buy what the Spirit gives. We clean it up in Christianity, but the reality is we can only have joy from finding out this place right here. Happiness is expected when we get the crown from God, but it never lasts. Because the trap of modern Christianity is that we have been taught to believe for the crown, have faith for the crown, have a vision for the crown, which is just a cleaned up way of saying, seek after it. And Jesus somehow becomes our Savior Santa Claus. That if we're good enough, brings us our heart's desires. But that is a lesser king. 
It's why we are ruled in our lives by pursuing them, but never satisfied when we actually get them. Because the truth is this. This is the hard thing for us to understand in our life. That pain and lack is the natural state of fallen humanity. Pain and lack is the natural state of fallen humanity. It's why the Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, that Jesus had to empty himself and go through the pain on the cross so that he could become like us, so we could become like him. Pain and lack. But that's, because that's our natural state, it's why we pursue happiness so much. Do you realize why, why, why does happiness, why is our pursuit of happiness have such a pull on us in our world? Why does it have so much, why is its claws sunken so much into not only our generation, our world? Because we constantly feel pain. We constantly feel lack. And when we feel lack, we want to be made happy. We think happiness will cure my lack. When I'm going through pain, I feel like if I could just get some happiness, I'd have a little less pain in my life. That's why we pursue happiness. But happiness is a lesser king, and it comes with lesser things. The deception has been that the lesser king, like Herod, can give us greater things. So why bother going on the road? Why bother going any further? Let my men go find Jesus. You just stay in the palace. Let me bless you. Let me take care of you. Your feet must be tired from the journey. Uh, you, let me give you some food. You've got to be hungry after all those miles. You've got to be exhausted in the way that you are. Just lie down here for a bit. Let me take care of you. My men will go out and find Jesus. Jesus, just be happy. It's a deception. Israel chooses a lesser king when they choose Saul over being ruled by God, and it didn't really work out for them. Herod chooses Rome so that he can get lesser things rather than actually the greater things of standing up for God. That is in all of us. It's not just in them, it's in us. It was birthed in Eve. Can we agree in Genesis chapter 3? She, took a she listened to a lesser king. She bought into a lesser thing. Thought she was going to be happy. Did it work out? Didn't really work out for her. Didn't work out for us either. Here's how I know it's so strong. This is how I know it's worked for generations. This is how I know that all of us face this temptation. Because the devil tried it with Jesus. What? Come on, the devil tried it with Jesus. Just two chapters later in Matthew 4, he brings them up. He shows them all the kingdoms of the earth. He's like, yo, Jesus, I know, look, I know all this other stuff, but I just want to let you know, you don't have to go through the pain to get this. You don't have to go through discomfort to get this. You don't have to suffer to get this. I can just give it to you. Just worship me. He said, listen to me, the lesser king. I'll give you a lesser thing, but it's basically the same thing. You just don't have to suffer to get it. You don't have to go through it. How did Jesus respond? It is written. Now let me just say this. Jesus could have just said, Adams, stop holding them together. And the devil would have vanished in a second. 
He could have called down lightning from heaven. He could have burned him to an ash with one whisper of a word from Jesus' mouth. He didn't. Do you know why Jesus didn't respond the way Jesus responded to that temptation? Because he knew we'd face that temptation. And we can't disperse atoms. And you and I can't call down fire. And you and I can't cast lightning out and destroy the enemy. But do you know what does destroy the enemy when we face that temptation? What does the word say? What does the word say a healthy relationship looks like? What does the word say my life should look like? What does the word say holiness is? What does the word say how I should respond when I'm offended? How does the word say when I'm overcome with what does the word say? You don't have to go through it, Kyle. You don't have to go through it, Kyle. Don't even worry about it. It's our, no, it's not. The word says. Come on. What Eve shackles us with, Jesus sets us free from. Eve shackled us by listening to the wrong word. Jesus sets us free by responding with the living word. But we have to realize, my friends, the power of the crown. The, 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 this, this pull that is inside of all of us to seeking lesser kings and expecting greater things. That somewhere along the way, you and I can easily be lulled into treating God's word with familiarity rather than faith. Well, I know what God, I know what God said, but I know he loves me. I know what the word says, but he knows my heart. He might, but you don't. That's not faith. That's a lesser king following a lesser king expecting greater things. We see it in the Bible, Genesis chapter 19, God tells Lot and his wife to leave Sodom and Gomorrah and not to look back. She's on the way out, but something inside of her longs for what was behind her, longs for the familiar, and she turns around, she turned to salt, disaster. We can't treat God's word with familiarity. We have to treat it with faith, which means I believe it, I obey it, and I trust that he'll do it when and how he decides to do it. We think the second part is the hardest. It's not. Obedience is not the hardest part. Trust is. See, my friends, unlike the wise men, we chase the lesser king of fame rather than the greater king of faithfulness. We believe joy will come from being known rather than knowing. But Paul says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And may I even know him by sharing in his sufferings so that I may be like him. The greatest gift that God could give you in the world is for you not to be famous. But to know him, even if we're not known. We seek the lesser kings of acceptance and approval rather than the greater kings of adoption and assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Why are we seeking approval and acceptance when we've been adopted and have assurance? I am fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. 
He has me crafted, tattooed on the very palm of his hand. He knows every hair on my head. He is my rock, my refuge, my firm foundation. There is a security in calling him Abba, Daddy, that he is my King and my Lord. There's Why are we seeking the world's acceptance and approval when we have adoption and assurance? In his house, we seek the lesser king of entertainment rather than the greater king of encounter. And yet David says in Psalm 27, this one thing I've desired of the Lord, that I will seek him, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. There's nothing wrong with church being fun. Church should be fun. Our God is a fun God. But when we're looking for him to entertain us, so that we can leave with a little bit better of a feeling of joy rather than encountering him which establishes us in joy. One is fleeting, one is not. In our wounded heart, we seek the lesser king of happiness rather than the greater king of holiness. We think if I could just be ha happy, then it's all right that I'm not holy. And yet the Bible tells me in Romans 12 that I get to offer my life as a living sacrifice to Jesus. That is my act of worship. I love what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 15, 16. He said, when I found the word, I ate it. And when I ate it, his, God's word became a joy and a delight in my heart. My friends, we're almost done, but just hang on for a few more moments. The reality is the pull on all of us in modern Christianity is that we're seeking lesser kings of promotion over purity, the lesser king of making money rather than making a difference, the lesser king of success rather than the greater king of significance, and all of those lesser kings that will simply give us lesser things that will never satisfy. But the wise men sought a king to bless, not a blessing from the king. Here's, here's the key to joy. They, they, they sought a king to bless, not a blessing from a king. And the result of being connected to the greater king was joy and peace. These are the greater things in our life. They transcend our situation. Joy, joy and peace can transcend any situation. We can have joy and pain. Sunshine. What? Joy and there we go, come on. little shout out, old school DJ, Easy Rock, Raw Bass. Some of you are like, who's Raw Bass? I don't know, who's Raw Bass? Come on, Psalm 34, verse 1 says, I'll bless the Lord at sometimes. I'll bless the Lord when my soul feels right. I'll bless the Lord when I get that promotion or that job. I'll bless the Lord when the healing comes. I'll bless the Lord when I'm sick so I can get the healing. I'll bless the Lord, come on, when, when, when life is good. No, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praises will continually be in my mouth. Why? Because that is the key to joy. When they worshiped him, joy, 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 because the focus got off them. The focus got off the journey. The focus got off the sore feet. The focus got off the hard mountain they had to climb. The, the, the focus got off the bandit that beat them up along the way. The focus got off of what they lost. The focus got off of where they were. The focus got onto Jesus. 
And in the presence of God, everything else can fade away in that moment. The word says exceedingly great joy. That word for joy in the Greek is not just an emotion. Yes, it's an inward response, but it's an inward response that causes an outward expression. Joy is not simply a state of being. It causes certain reactions in our being. That's why Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this, For the joy set before him, Jesus went to the cross. He didn't go to the cross and got joy. Come on, somebody. He had joy that caused a reaction, a response that even took him to the cross. The reality is, my friends, when we seek the greater king, we will be filled with the greater thing, which is joy. And joy will have its expression of worship back to the king. They responded by blessing the king, by worshiping him with three things, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They connected with him in three roles of his life, in three areas of ministry he had. They blessed him as a king. They brought him gold. Gold was for his role as a king. Part of their joy was resourcing him, giving what they had and who they were to resource what his kingdom was going to be about. Before, Hey, by the way, they weren't Israelites. They weren't going to get the benefit of his kingdom. They blessed him because of him. They trusted his kingdom because of his kingdom. Our joy is connected to worshiping him with our lives as king, not just as savior. It's not just a Savior. We should worship Him as our Savior. But when our lives are not lined up with Him being our King, our Lord, the one whose will we submit to, joy is not connected simply to Jesus as the Savior. It's connected to Jesus as the King. They didn't just bless Him, though, as a King. They blessed him as a high priest. They gave him frankincense. And frankincense was the incense that the high priest used to usher the prayers up to God. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that our joy is manifest when we join in, join him in being the priesthood he and I, he created you and I to be, to be ambassadors of reconciliation. Not waiting for a priest to do something for you, but for you to be the priest. Be the priest of your home. This, this Christmas season, carry, be ambassadors of reconciliation. Bring, stand in the gap for family members. Be the one that forgives, come on, rather than waiting for forgiveness. Be the one that prays for rather than expecting the prayers to come. This is when we, when we join him, when we bring the frankincense, when we join him as being, when we serve the Lord with gladness. What's on him gets on us. And finally, they blessed him with myrrh, which I know sounds weird, but myrrh was an ointment for the dead. It was a perfume that covers the smell of death and makes a sweet aroma. And that's what you and I are called to do with our lives. Our lives, we are called to be the sweet aroma of Jesus. Not Old Spice. Come on, somebody. How's Old Spice making a re, re... How is that coming back? Man, my grandfather used Old Spice. Now every other commercial is an Old Spice commercial. It's crazy. No, no, no. 
2 Corinthians 2 says that you and I are the aroma, the myrrh of Jesus' dead body to the world. To those who are perishing and those who aren't. We are here to change the aroma. We're not here to add stink to it. We're not here to join into the smell of it. We're not here to complain how bad it fills our nostrils. Who's the cause of the smell in the world? It's the Republicans. It's the Democrats. It's this person in that office. It's that person in that place. No, no, no. The Bible says you and I are called to be the perfume that changes the smell. That's it. So live our lives in a way that will change the aroma in a room. Change the atmosphere in a room. The thing about myrrh is that it had to be smeared on the body. It had to touch the thing that was dead. They had to lay, we have to lay hands on the, on, the, on the body that was sacrificed and the body that was resurrected. You and I have to smear the myrrh on his body. His body. His body. Do you know what's going to, you know what's going to be joyful for this church? Tonight's going to be joyful. Because we're going to smear some myrrh on each other. We're going to see God do something. We're going to change the aroma in some household. We're going to change the aroma from, from hopelessness to hope in some mom, some single mom that's struggling. We're, we're, going to, we're going to give some faith to a dad that thinks that his past life can't be changed, that it's disqualified him for the blessing and disqualified him to be a good father because he messed up in his past. No, no, there's an aroma in this room. Because Jesus is who we're giving people. we got to smear it on the body. So our joy is made complete when we actually find ourselves doing something with his death and living out his resurrected life. I'm going to end with this story. It's because I read it a little while ago. But in 1732, two German missionaries by the name of Johann Dober and David Nitschmann had such an encounter with the love of God and were so overcome by the conditions of slavery in the Caribbean islands that they actually sold themselves for a time into slavery in order to present the gospel to people who were in chains. And the reason they had to do it is because it was illegal for a non-slave to preach the gospel to a slave. So they said... My freedom is not a greater thing. Their freedom is. I'm willing to go through oppression so that those who are oppressed can be set free. And over the next 50 years, between themselves and their followers, they planted churches on St. Thomas, St. Croix, St. John's, Jamaica, Antigua, Barbados, and St. Kitts. And over that time, they saw more than 30. 15,000 people, both whites, and slave owners, and slaves themselves come to Jesus Christ. Their joy in being saved caused them to respond to the greater things of life. We don't need to sell ourselves into slavery to live differently. Sharon was not a slave, but she was a servant to the king. And her service to the greater king produced greater things in this world. The story of the wise men is not long. It's just a few verses. But it's not the duration of our story that matters. 
but the direction. It's not the duration. Whether it's 42 years or 55 years, 14 years or 84 years. It's not the duration of how long we get to live. It's the direction. Their direction led them to Jesus. And it's still leading to people, people to Jesus today. The question I have to ask you today is where will your life lead people? To lesser things or to a greater king? Do you want to know how to make your joy complete? Jesus simply says this. Find me, follow me. Worship the greater king and reveal to people the greater thing. Your story is not yet fully written. These wise men, their story has come and gone and still speaks. But yours is not. You can seek happiness for the rest of your life. And you'll never be satisfied. It's a lesser king and a lesser thing. But if you seek Jesus and you choose to worship him, come hell or high water, fire or fury, prosperity or poverty, whenever you rise up in the morning, there will be joy in the morning. There will be joy. There is joy in the morning. There is joy in the morning. Connect, church. I love you regardless of who or what you're going to seek. But I wouldn't love you if I didn't encourage you to seek the great king and live to worship him with all the great things. That's how your joy will remain complete. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Hey, my friends, look, at the end of the day, this moment is between you and Jesus. Maybe you've never come to him. Maybe you've never asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you were hoping that you being good enough would someday tip the scales in your favor. But not only does that make us live in such a fearful existence, it's just not the way heaven works. The measure of heaven is not our goodness versus our badness. The measure of heaven is perfection. And the reality is all of us in this room has failed already at that. That's the bad news. But the good news is, that it's not about how good we can be, it's how good Jesus is. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
the Bible says if I confess if I confess him as Lord as king of my life and believe in my heart today that he died for me and that that gift was enough and I accept that into my life right here and right now if I actually find the greater king if I receive the greater king the greater things are the things that follow the things of joy the things of peace the things of salvation of forgiveness of cleansing of regeneration of renewal those things come from this moment So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pray in just a moment, but if you've never prayed to ask Jesus into your life, whether you're in this room or you're watching online today, can I encourage you, today's the day, like these wise men, no matter what you've journeyed through, to come and bow down. Just say, here I am, Jesus, man, I'm coming to give you my life, that's it. But maybe you've been in church for a really long time, and to be honest, if you're really honest with yourself, when it comes to Christianity, you've been seeking after crowns a whole lot more than a king. And today's the day simply to deal with that and repent and be like, Daddy, I'm sorry. I messed this thing up. Man, I screwed it up bad, and I'm here to tell you I'm all in. I'm not going to mess around. I'm all in. What's your word say? I'm in. I'm going to need some help, so send your Holy Spirit. I'm going to need some peace, so manifest peace in my life right now, God. I'm going to need some brothers and sisters around me because I know I'm going to stumble and fall. So I need somebody to help pick me up. I can't do it alone. But God, I'm here to tell you I'm all in. And I don't know where you are, whether you've never asked God or whether you're ready right now to go all in. But this is what we're going to do. We're just going to pray, and you're going to say, come on. God, come, I want to, I'm ready to be all in, all in, all in, all in to serve Jesus as Savior and King. Just say with me, let's pray together. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I am asking you to forgive me of doing it my own way. I've sought lesser kings and I've sought after lesser things. But today I choose to go all in, making you my king and making you my savior. So Jesus, forgive me. I'm going to need some help. So send your Holy Spirit. Fill me with joy. Fill me with peace. I'm ready. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to look back. My feet are planted in you. And I choose from this day forward to live a life that worships my King for His glory and His glory alone. And I go from this place filled with your joy to make your joy known. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can we give God just some glory for who He is this morning? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Look, if you prayed that prayer today, whether you're in this room or online today, we're excited for you. We have uh, some books we'd like to give you for free just to help you in that decision. If you're an adult, we have uh, the surprise of your life that Pastor Rick wrote. Pastor Rick and Pastor Kathy will be right back here at these tables right after service. Just stop for a few moments. Just say, man, I, I made that commitment today. Maybe you've been coming to this church for years. 
And you'd be, you're thinking, well, I don't know, I'll be a little embarrassed. I know that they probably think I'm probably more mature than that. I, I'm not sure. Hey, look, the Bible says this. When I testify before man, he'll testify before the Father in heaven. There's, when two touch something in agreement, it settles it. Sometimes, man, we make decisions in church, but we talk ourselves out of them by the time we get to the door. That's why I need to be, hey, hey brother, I, I made this decision today. I'm all in for Jesus. I'm all in. I'm going to go to Forge when it starts back up. I'm going to go shoulder to shoulder if I'm a lady, uh, a lady in here today. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to do this thing together. If you're a tween or know a tween that has questions about God, this is a great book, Letters to a Gen Zer. It's fantastic. Thank you for letting me share today. Thank you for being willing to listen. My prayer is that joy finds you where you are this week. And that as you serve the greater king, he will fill you with greater things. His joy and peace. Before we leave today, we just want to worship the Lord with, the, with our giving. And Pastor Ron's going to come now just for a second. Can you give Pastor Ron a hand as he's coming? He's a good looking man right here. Come on up, Pastor Ron. Thanks. Thank you, Pastor Kyle. What a great word this morning. Amen. Mm. Awesome. You know, the Holy, I love how the Holy Spirit lines up um, what we share in the mornings because I just have a scripture that emphasizes really what Pastor Kyle just talked about. And if, you're, if you'd like to give today, there's different ways to do that on the screen. You could give in the kiosks that are out by the door there. You could point your camera at the QR code, which will give you a link to be able to give online and you can give on CCB which is our platform where we share a lot of information and you can give online in that way but I was reminded as I prepared for today of, of when I was young and my mom was raising my brother and I as a single parent and we didn't have a lot so we were so I had like a dollar or two that I could go get something for my mom for Christmas and back then we would go to school and they would have a Christmas store and you would go into this Christmas store and they'd have different items there that you could buy for your parents for Christmas right so I paid a lot of attention to what I had in my hand and what I could give to my mom and understand what she, what I thought that she would need that would be really a great blessing for her and so there, there were times where I had disappointment because the thing I really wanted to give her, I really couldn't afford to do so. But I got what I could because I went around the room and I picked the things that I could actually pay for and pick up. You know, and that disappointment that I had in the moment of not being able to give all that I wanted to melted away. The moment that I was obedient in giving that gift to my mom, because she had such joy on her face to receive the gift. You know, and that's what joy is all about. Paul encouraged us to, with this word in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, rejoice always, no matter what. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Such a good word. You know that word, give thanks and rejoice and pray. These were imperatives in the present. When Paul spoke these things, he was encouraging us to constantly be rejoicing, to constantly be praying, 
And in that word, give thanks, it's from the word Eucharisto, which you means a feeling of being continually thankful for who you are, where you are, and what you have. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. As we give today, we can continually be thankful for who God is, for what he's doing in our lives, for who he's placing us in the world with that we can bless others with. And I can't wait for tonight to see all the joy of families coming in to receive that gift. And we thank you for giving. And that's one way in which your giving works in the house, blessing others, changing lives. So let's get something together and pray today for the, the, the gift of the offering that we have. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for that command to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks. We give thanks to you today. For all good things come from your hand. We can be in that continual, continual state of thanksgiving because of the joy that was set before yes. you to pay the price for our lives. So today we give to you and thank you, Jesus. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Hey, guys, why don't we stand together real quick? Just as we leave... Look forward to seeing you come back tonight. Uh, if you can, if you look, if you'd like to sign up to help and you haven't yet, uh, again, it's not too late. Um, Stephanie Gibson, right? Steph, give a wave. Steph is the head of our TKC, Thy Kingdom Crumb, uh, who's overseeing tonight. You can talk to her. Uh, but guys, if you can't be, it's all right. Be praying. Between 5.30, 7.30, lots of people are going to come through these doors. Lots of men and women who just need hope, need encouragement, need love, and uh, that's what it's all about. Just as, God loved, well, you know, just as God loved us, we get to love other people. So let me pray for you as you go. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for no rain tonight. We pray for open hearts tonight. We thank you for the privilege of being able to be a part of what you're doing in people's lives and, and in our city. Lord, I pray over each and every person here today that you may open our eyes, that we may see who you are more clearly. Open our hearts, that we may know you at such a deeper level. When we don't think that joy is possible and peace could be a reality, pour out your Holy Spirit in such a way that we know the reality of what those words mean in our everyday life. As you have blessed us, Father, help us to be a blessing to others as we take out our lives and live them for your glory. We worship to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. I'll see you tonight. I'll see you next week. Have a great one.